Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host. Uh, Some technical difficulties uh, getting started, but hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, We're living in a very weird era where uh, God only knows what's going to happen next. Um, Goodness. But anyway, I hope all of you have had a wonderful week. I hope you're all staying well and safe. Uh, We certainly live in a very perilous era and... um, The current set of circumstances certainly proves, uh, if anyone had any doubts, just how uh, dangerous this era is. And much of it deals with the way that our government for years has failed to address issues involving national security that emanate from this uh, dysfunctional immigration system that, as I've often said, truly isn't broken but has become a delivery system for an unlimited supply. Uh, Bear with me one moment for an unlimited supply of exploitable foreign workers, foreign students, foreign tourists, for the immigration lawyers, foreign clients, alien clients, and finally, uh, tenants for buildings. So we jack up the price of real estate, um, and we make it more and more difficult for Americans to find homes in their own country, leading to the, (coughs) pardon me, the uh, record levels of homelessness that we're seeing in, in many large cities around the United States. Of course, the, the number one issue on everybody's mind continues, obviously, to be the coronavirus. Um, and what we really need to understand is that even as the United States is grappling with this virus that emanated from China, according to everything that we see, it has now been reported that Chinese computer programmers and crooks, if you will, are trying to hack in to American computer networks to steal information um, concerning our efforts to create a a vaccine and cures for the virus. It's just, if you want to talk about adding insult to injury, I can't imagine a clearer example of this, but it should not surprise us. This has been going on for the longest time. It is inexplicable. It is outrageous. But more than anybody, I blame our own politicians from both political parties who have given China most favored trade status, opened up our best universities to hundreds of thousands of Chinese students every year, trained the very same computer programmers and hackers who hack our computers and use our information to build their military and their economic powerhouse that threatens us on the world stage. Uh, you know, the, I believe it was Karl Marx who said the capitalists will sell you the rope with which you will hang them. Folks, simply stated, we are having a fire sale on rope, and this has been ongoing for decades, and both parties bear responsibility. Richard Nixon opened up China uh, to, the, to the world, you know, the two-China policy. Henry Kissinger, having been 
one of the architects of that policy. Um, we saw what happened with um, every administration since. We're going to trade with China. We're going to give them most favored trade status. It started with George, George Herbert Walker Bush. President Clinton promised to end it, but, of course, he did not. In fact, expanded it in many ways. <clears throat> and now we are facing the consequences. And uh, as you saw in my latest article for Front Page Magazine, an article that I hope everybody will go and check out if you haven't seen it already, and please post the link to my article at Front Page on Facebook. Get the word out. Spread it to all the people that you can. The title was Chinese Espionage Made Possible by Immigration Failures, What Visa Fraud Does to Our National Security and Public Health. It was published uh, last Friday, and it's uh, the latest article that I've posted at Front Page that I think it's an eye-opener because if you read the article, I always include facts. I don't have a, an opinion without facts to back them up. Going back to when I was a kid, I remember my dad looking across the dinner table over the top of his glasses, and if as a 15-year-old or 14-year-old, I would start rattling off ideas that had no basis in fact or experience, my pop would look at me and say, Mike, empty barrels make a lot of noise, and it was his way of telling me to zip my mouth unless I could back up what I was saying. And I have to tell you, it's a policy that still governs the way I do things to this very day. It's a policy we should all be following. If you're going to make statements, prove it. Provide evidence. Don't just say, I've heard. They say, someone told me. I heard it on TV. That doesn't tell us anything. They put Chia Pets on TV, for goodness sakes. If you're going to have an opinion, then you better be able to substantiate it. And that's what I did in my article. I based it in large measure on Justice Department news releases, newspaper articles, and so forth, because the problem that we're dealing with is you have Chinese faculty members, and not only Chinese, um, Charles Lieber, the chairman of Harvard's Chemistry and Chemical Biology Department, was arrested a couple of months ago, charged by the Justice Department with working with the Chinese government at Hunan province in their labs without reporting that work and without reporting his income. Uh, as he was supposed to. We're talking about over a million dollars, according to the allegations that were made. This is serious stuff. So we have Americans as well as Chinese and people from other countries who are being coerced, bribed, um, however they do it. They do it. And China, we have to remember, is a totalitarian communist dictatorship. And I know they have been soft-peddling the dangers of communism in our schools. The Democrat Party, and I'm registered as a Democrat, is no longer the party of the working family. Quite the contrary, it is my belief that the goals of the Democrat Party today is to drive as many people, as many Americans as possible onto welfare roles and make them dependent on various programs that they're willing to fund where the Republicans won't. My dad very wisely told me that if you want to turn a capitalist into a communist, take away his money. Do you think that if the people in those 10 cities are going to vote, they're going to vote for the Republicans or the Democrats? The Democrats are promising them free everything. The Republicans won't do that. These folks are desperate. Who are they going to vote for? We keep hearing that the Democrats are bringing in all these foreign workers and all these aliens because they want them to vote for them. And that's true. Make no mistake about it. But there's a larger issue that goes ignored by virtually everybody. By pushing Americans aside, by bringing in foreign workers, you 
lower wages, you displace Americans, you put more Americans on welfare, you put more Americans on food stamps, and who do you think is going to give them the money that they desperately need, not to buy a Ferrari, but to buy a hamburger? They will go to the Democrats, and this is a power grab by the Democratic Party. And, you know, you heard Hillary Clinton say it not long ago, don't let a crisis go to waste. What does that mean? When you have someone over the barrel, work them over. This is a mob tactic. They've got a crisis. They're vulnerable. Now go take advantage of them. Kick them when they're down. And probably the woman with the most pointy shoes anywhere, most eager to kick people who are down, is none other than big mouth of the house. I meant to say speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi. How many millions of Americans are out of work, folks? How many millions of Americans are awake at night because they're hungry, their kids are hungry, they're scared to death that they may not have a job to return to? It's entirely possible uh, that they will lose their jobs. But Nancy Pelosi, when she did that infamous interview on television, opened up that $27,000 refrigerator big enough to hold a whole cow in it and showed off for $20 a pint ice cream. Does it get any colder than that? The elitist Pelosi. Well, I know you're hungry. I know that for you a hamburger would be a big deal, but I don't worry because I've got my freezer and I've got my ice cream. It almost reminds me of Obama saying, you know, he has his pen and his phone. Well, Nancy has a refrigerator and her ice cream. People think when they see that. They're awake tonight. They don't know how to get food to feed their own children. I can't even imagine. It breaks my heart. It makes me crazy thinking about it. I've been on my own since I was 21, and I remember being awake at night worrying that I wouldn't be able to pay the mortgage. I was 21. I had my parents' house and a mortgage payment to make, and I was in school. I wasn't working. Well, I was working part-time. So I had to get another part-time job and so forth. I was scared to death I would lose the house. I had to feed myself. I never took money from anybody. Understand that predicament. So we have American families by the millions in that predicament right now. And Nancy Pelosi comes on. She could have sat on her couch. She could have stood uh, in front of a bookcase, as most people do, as I do when I do television interviews. And believe me, I don't have a $27,000 refrigerator. Okay, my refrigerator doesn't cost 10% that. But she stands in front of this huge commercial refrigerator, opens up the drawer, and starts rummaging through ice cream. It was a let-them-eat-cake moment, wasn't it? Let-them-eat-ice-cream. Because it just demonstrated, not that she's out of touch. She's out of her mind. She is lording over the American people and saying, me, I've got plenty to eat. My biggest decision after dinner will be which one of my 20, you know, jugs of ice cream, containers of ice cream will I dip into. <clears throat> when, when there are so many Americans for whom ice cream is the last thing on their mind. It was an in-your-face, look who I am and look who you're not. How in the world people like that get reelected blow my mind. If someone does that to you, folks, there is an election coming, and elections have consequences. We're in this mess because politicians corrupted by corporate money have sold out America, flooded America with foreign students and foreign workers. Alan Greenspan 
when he testified for Schumer back in 2009, referred to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite. I kid you not. And he said the solution to wage inequality was to make American highly skilled workers compete with foreign workers to drive down their wages because they were making too damn much money. And that's why he called American middle-class high-tech workers the privileged elite. And he said if we could subject American workers to foreign competition, we could cut that wage premium that they earn, and then we could greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. Does that not boil your blood? But when I tried to approach some Republicans about it, including Bob Goodlatte, who at the time was chairman of the Hash Judiciary Committee, and I might add an immigration lawyer whose area of specialty are H-1B visas and whose son got to start with Zuckerberg at Facebook, well, they don't want to hear it either because they're all on the same page. American middle-class workers are making too much damn money, so let's do something about it. Let's make them compete with foreign workers, who, by the way, send their salaries out of our country. But the Democrats have ramped it up to a level that I did not think was possible. And you're not going to hear this from the news media, but I received an article that was on PJ Media from a former colleague, a former INS senior agent. We've known each other for many years. And here is the headline. This was published just three days ago, May 12th. Democrats' $3 trillion bill would include a massive gift to communist China. That's right. And there's a picture of Pelosi at the beginning of the article. And it's really incredible because one of the things that they're doing now is to do away with a law that was enacted by um, President Roosevelt. I, I just want you to understand that. There was something known as the Buy American Act. It's under Chapter 83, Title 41, United States Code. That law was passed in 1933 by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and that was the year after the stock market crashed. So what did they do? Well, the act says that the United States government must buy products made in America unless it's a product that's not available in the United States. So as an agent, we always carried firearms that were made in America. We always had to buy equipment that was made in America. Makes perfect sense. President Roosevelt was trying to get the economy going. He also came up with the 40-hour work week telling employers, hey, listen, if you've got an employee and you need them to work more than 40 hours, don't pay them overtime. Hire a new employee so we get another American to work. That philosophy, that motivated me to become a Democrat when I first started voting back when I was in college. It makes sense to put American workers and American families first, which is exactly what President Trump's philosophies and policies are supposed to do. So in the middle of all of this, never let an emergency or a crisis go to waste. What are the items in the Pelosi measure that came through the House, this piece of garbage that needs to be used to wrap dead fish because it's not worthy of contemplation, would permanently eliminate that requirement? Why should we be buying American products for the U.S. government when we could send more money to China? Right, just stop and think about it. How does that work for your blood pressure? Why would you want to eliminate the requirement that the federal government seek to buy merchandise and items and equipment manufactured by Americans in America? 
for one of the items on that list, the dream list from the new Democrat Communist Party, is to no longer require that anything be made in the United States for the U.S. government. You can go anywhere in the world that you want to buy whatever you want. Let's see how many more Americans we could put into those tent cities and hope they'll vote for the Democrats. That's the only thing that I could take away from this lunacy. You have God knows how many tens of millions of unemployed Americans who are scared to death that they won't have a job to return to, and guess how many more jobs this is likely to cost. Wow, it takes my damn breath away. Let's not buy American anymore if you're the federal government. I want someone to explain it. I want to see a real reporter with real cojones go up to Pelosi and say, why the hell are you doing this? Why would your party be against making certain that when the federal government buys any materials, any supplies, any equipment, that they're supposed to try to buy materials and equipment and so forth that are manufactured in America by Americans? She does not like that idea one bit. They want Americans to lose more jobs. That's the only conclusion that I could come to. Drive more Americans into poverty. You drive more Americans to the left. You impose more suffering. But that's okay because Nancy has her $27,000 refrigerator with ice cream. I can't even imagine what she probably had for dinner before she got to the ice cream. Caviar, perhaps? Foie de gras? And by the way, never mind that they torture the birds to make that meal you think she cares in fact i don't think she gives a crap about her own children or her grandchildren because what in the world will america look like 20 years from now when she's no longer among us i'm always concerned about my children and my grandchildren i don't think she gives a rat's ass now that's an interesting term rat's ass the health commissioner in new york city would ask to supply more safety gear to protect New York City police officers because a number of them have gotten ill and died since this pandemic. You know what her answer was? This is the woman who said that if you didn't go to Chinatown and march in the parades and rub elbows with everybody, and this was in February, you're a racist. Well, this lame brain imbecile, quote all over the news, and I saw her say it on television, I don't give a rat's ass about your cops. I don't give a rat's ass about your cops. <clears throat> really? Seriously? You're putting police officers in harm's way. They're asking for protective gear so that hopefully they can go home to their families and not make their families ill also. And the health commissioner says, I don't give two rats ass. That was actually the term. I don't give two rats asses about your cops. Your cops. They're not her cops, I guess. <clears throat> And the commissioner seemed annoyed, oh, that's kind of disturbing or sort of disturbing. The the union leaders of the police department went bats. But, you know, even the police commissioner, well, it wasn't a nice statement. Not nice. Really? We have lost our minds. We have lost our minds. And then you look at what's been happening with General Flynn. I don't care whether you like President Trump or you don't. I don't care what you think about General Flynn. Here's what should concern everybody. When the travesty that has been foisted on General Flynn and his family can be carried out so brazenly, don't for a heartbeat think it can't happen to you or your family. When I was part of a jury in two separate trials, I was surprised they selected me, but I am objective and I am fair. My first case, I was an inspector at the airport. I sat on a jury that heard a drug case 
clearly the guy that was arrested was guilty as hell. They had tape recordings. There was just no doubt. And we voted appropriately for a conviction. Years later, when I was an agent, I was on a jury, and the woman claimed, the young girl claimed that she was sexually abused by somebody at the school where she was. The problem was not one of the witnesses that she provided came up with a story that even came close to corresponding to anything anybody else said. One witness remembered it raining. The other witness said it was poor. It was, it was a sunny day. <clears throat> One witness said that the girl told her about it when she was hiding in the closet in the building. Another witness said, oh, she went to her house, and then we, they were sitting in the playground on the swings when she told her. I mean, the stories were totally divergent. So, of course, I voted for an acquittal. You know, it's supposed to be about the facts, period, just the facts. If there's a reasonable doubt, you vote for an acquittal. That's how our system works. The idea is that we would rather let 10 guilty go free than convict one innocent man. And in New York, we love letting the guilty go free even after they're convicted. And even if they're illegal aliens, especially if they're illegal aliens, why cooperate with ICE when you could put a child molester back out on the street and maybe attack more children or kill more children? What the hell? But every life matters to Mr. Cuomo, the guy that calls ICE agents thugs. Seriously? Think about the lunacy that's being foisted on us. But I tell you about those trials, and I can tell you that when I testified at other trials, if you're in the courtroom for the time that the judge charges the jury, they always say the same thing. It's not only the defendant who is on trial, it is our system of justice that is on trial. Let those words sink in. The idea is we are supposed to have equal protection under the law. And, you know, sometimes people will say to me, illegal aliens aren't entitled to constitutional rights. And I kind of cringe when I hear it. Anybody in this country charged with a felony must get due process, even a a non-felony. Unless we're talking about immigration law, that's a whole other story. But if you're charged with murder, if you're charged with manslaughter, if you're charged with bank robbery, rape, whatever, drug possession, weapons possession, it is vital that irrespective of immigration status, everybody gets the same exact shot at justice. And I'll tell you why. A bunch of reasons. Number one, it's about fairness. That seems to have been lost completely. Truth, justice, and the American way. The last Superman movie, they couldn't even say the American way anymore. This is no longer the American way. Maybe that's why they left it out. Justice must be just. It must be fair. It must be proportionate. It must be reasonable. It must, but all too frequently, it's not. We have the lunacy that's being foisted on us. But if you have, let's say, a prosecutor... Let's say somebody like Schiff, imagine he was a federal prosecutor. Uh, I can imagine defense attorneys looking back into those cases to see what damage they might have done to their defendants, because this man certainly, uh, it's not that he plays fast and loose with the truth. He can't even figure out that there is any truth. Most likely, if he says it, it's a lie. So go from that point forward. But if you have an unscrupulous prosecutor and it's easier to convict an illegal alien, let's say, for murder than an American citizen, and you want to get a quick kill, get your little scratch and move on, because it's like a box score, everybody wants to say, oh, I had more cases, I was successful greater percentage of the time. It's just like a a batter. Oh, yes, I'm batting 300, I'm batting 400, whatever, right? The, The percentage of hits. Well, 
if you make it easier to convict an illegal alien than an American, it's likely that unscrupulous prosecutors will look to prosecute illegal aliens. It's easier, less problems, <clears throat> more likely to score a kill. Now, why should that worry us? Number one, it's not justice. If you're going to prosecute an illegal alien for being here illegally, and I worked with D'Amato, Al D'Amato, when he was our senator to make unlawful reentry, for example, by a criminal alien, a 20-year felony. I made the first arrest in New York. I arrested many aliens and charged them with, with all sorts of crimes relating to immigration. I don't have a problem with that. But the idea that somebody would be in a jail cell for a crime that he or she did not commit is not fair, and it's not justice, and it's not American. You know, I've had people say, oh, the hell with him. He shouldn't be here. It doesn't work that way, folks. The guy shouldn't be here. You want to charge him with reentry after deportation, put him away for 20 years? I'll help you. I've done those cases. I helped to write that law. I didn't commit a murder when you put him in jail for life or execute him because He's being charged and convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Don't tell me that's justice. And from a selfish perspective, if you convict someone for a crime, the police will stop looking to solve the crime. Problem has been solved. The crime has been solved. How do we know it's solved? Well, there's a guy sitting in a jail cell. He was just convicted for the crime. Now, what does that mean? The dirtbag that's out there raping little girls is still out there raping little girls because we hung that crime on someone who didn't do it, and he's sitting in jail now. Justice is at the foundation of our democratic republic, make no mistake. And when anyone shakes that foundation, they threaten the survival of this magnificent nation. They threaten your safety, the safety of your children, the safety of our society. That's not what America is about. So I don't care where you stand on Flynn. I think he was railroaded. I think it was a disgrace. And now you've got a judge saying, well, I know the Justice Department wants to drop the charges, but I'm going to call in another judge. And, of course, he picks a judge that has animosity towards Flynn. You want to talk about kangaroo courts? What if this happened to you or your family, folks? Everybody in America needs to be paying attention needs to be paying attention. There aren't too many sports to watch. There will be a race this weekend, NASCAR. Perhaps people will watch it and enjoy it. That's fine. But there's nothing to watch. How many more Netflix can you watch? This is the time to put some effort into waking up as to what's going on and having conversations with your friends and family and neighbors and so forth. If they can deprive anyone of due process, they can deprive you of due process. So please understand why this is so dangerous. It frustrates me, and I feel bad for Flynn, and I suffered quite a bit because I was a whistleblower at my agency, and it's not fun. And there are people who are truly creative. They will go along to get along. But please understand that if you allow political individuals to pervert the criminal justice system, they could turn police departments into the secret police, the the thought police, okay? This is right out of Orwell. In New York, we were told, if you demonstrate, you're going to be arrested. If you're not wearing a mask, you're going to be arrested. Well, what's interesting about that is there's been so much pushback by the police officers who want nothing to do with this crap that they have now said that they will no longer arrest people for not wearing a mask in New York City. They never should have been arresting people for not wearing a mask. You're taking hardened criminals 
who have raped and shot people and robbed people, and you're putting them on the street because, God forbid, they might catch the coronavirus. And then you take some guy who wasn't wearing a mask and put him into a jail that's infected with the coronavirus. Do you know what that jail sentence really was, as far as I'm concerned? It was a death sentence. And we saw it in Texas with that woman who opened up her beauty parlor two days before they were legally allowed to open, and she followed all the safety standards. And that judge sitting there on the throne, I wonder if there was a little flush lever on that throne of his, saying to her, you will apologize. You are selfish, and you will talking to her as though she were a three-year-old child. And she said, I'm not selfish, and I won't apologize. I'm trying to feed my children. Off to jail with you. And the jail that they sent her to had an outbreak of the coronavirus. Seven days. Well, they got her out after two days. But you know what? I guarantee you that if, that, that if she was there, there's a good chance she might have picked up the virus. Tune in next week or in two weeks. God willing, she'll be okay. How dare that judge do that? Release hardened criminals and put a woman in jail for feeding her children. There's a lot at stake here, folks. There's so much at stake, I don't even know where to begin. I truly don't. I want you to understand how dangerous communism is. And some people link, well, you've got to be a conservative to hate communists. You have to be super religious to hate communists. I have a confession. I identify very strongly with Judaism. I'm a Jew. I'm proud of my religion. I'm proud of my heritage. I'm not all that observant. That's who I am. As an American, that's my choice. Freedom of religion, yes. And I respect it. And those of my friends who are Christians and um, Jews who are very religious, I respect them. If they can find comfort in religion, if they find it a way that helps to guide them through difficult times, literally, God bless them. It, it, it gives me joy. I was raised to be respectful of everyone's faith. Okay, people of faith, that's fine. But you don't need to be religious to be an, a sworn enemy of communism. Communism is an extremely dangerous ideology that leads to millions of deaths. And here's the reason it does. Perhaps you've never thought of it this way, so I'm going to give you something to think about. On paper, communism is wonderful and it's brilliant. I mean, think about it. Utopia. To each according to his needs, from each according to his abilities. Could it be nicer than that? Could it be, you know, a kinder, oh, my gosh, what do you need? We'll give it to you. What are you capable of doing? Then please do your job for us, and, and we'll give you everything you need. It doesn't work that way. First of all, people, not unlike animals, need to be motivated. You want to teach a dog a trick, you give the dog a reward, whether you play with them or you give them a dog biscuit or you scratch behind the ear. Whatever it is you do, the dog does what you want, you reward the dog by doing something that the dog wants. It's kind of a barter system, isn't it? See, the reality is my dog is a capitalist, and I'm sure your dogs are capitalists also. Now, there's only two ways to motivate people or animals that you're training. It's called the carrot or the stick. There is no carrot in communism. You don't get more money for working harder. It doesn't work that way because that would be a system of capitalism where you work harder, you make more money. No, it doesn't work that way. We're going to take from you whatever we can take from you, and we're going to expect you 
to do what you're going to do. We'll give you whatever we determine is whatever it is you need, and we'll tell you how much you need. We'll tell you whether you could drive on every odd day or whatever. That's how it works in reality. So capitalism, real capitalism, provides you with the possibility of a carrot. You work harder. You're more successful. You find a way to make a greater profit. You have a bigger carrot. You have a nicer house, nicer clothing, a bigger car. You eat better food. That's capitalism. Of course, in America today, we really don't have capitalism. We have corporate welfare. That's why you have golden parachutes for executives. People say to me, well, under capitalism, under the Constitution, there's no guarantee of outcome, only opportunity. I said, yes, there is a guarantee of opportunity. But I said, as for no guarantee of outcome, what do you call a golden parachute? Isn't a golden parachute a guarantee of outcome? You hire a CEO, he screws the company into the ground, the company goes bankrupt, or they, or they, they wind up in deep trouble, they have to fire a bunch of people. So the, the grunts who get fired are walked out of the building by an armed security guard who makes certain that they don't take a pen off their desk or, God forbid, the company's stapler. Oh, no, you don't touch that stapler. It doesn't belong to you. But the CEO of the company, who made some really bad decisions, walks out the door with more money than the people who work for him will see in a lifetime. Does that sound like capitalism? It doesn't sound like capitalism to me, but what do I know? But in communism, because there is no carrot, all they have going for them to motivate people is you will do what we tell you to do or we will put you in jail. Aren't we seeing that in blue cities across the United States right now? You demonstrated, off to jail with you. You got in your car, off to jail. You went to Target and you wanted to buy potting soil, but you're only allowed to buy toilet paper. We're going to arrest you. It isn't a joke. It's like a bad Saturday Night Live skit, but nobody's laughing. It's a power grab. These are people who have an incredible thirst for power. And, you know, George Orwell, who I like to quote, said that once people seize power, they don't relinquish it. Nancy Pelosi is determined to remain the Speaker of the House. She needs the power. She probably doesn't have much of a home life, you know, to be that craving, that nuts, that she needs power, that power is obviously filling a vacuum, not just between her ears, but in her private life. God only knows. God only knows. I was on a radio show not long ago, and I jokingly said that I heard a rumor, not confirmed, but the rumor was that the FAA was contemplating suspending her pilot's license for her broomstick. You know, that's who Pelosi is. That's who that governor of Michigan is. Power. You do as I say or else. How many of those governors have you seen doing that? They took away the license from a barber because he said, look, I want to open my barber shop. If people come in, they understand the risk. I'm following all the safety standards. 77 years old. So they took him to court. The governor took him to court. I believe it was the governor from his state or the mayor, wherever it was, the jurisdiction. And the courts wouldn't rule the way they wanted. So then they brought in the, the, uh, the health department or licensing, and they took his license away. We can't get you in court. We'll find some way to get you. But by God, we're going to get you because Simon said, don't open, and you open. So now we're going to nail your ass to the wall. Ask yourself, is this justice? Who died and appointed these buffoons dictators? Who appointed them dictators? It was a how dare you moment. Should he have opened his barbershop? I really don't know. 
the numbers were very low in his municipality. He was taking a calculated risk. And the people that came in, they know what's going on. They took a risk. You took away his business. He's done. He's finished. He has no business now. What's the plan now? Our leaders don't have the right to do that to us. They absolutely do not have that right. They violate the United States Constitution. Is there any wonder that the Nimrod who runs the state of New Jersey, Murphy, when he was asked about this guy who was arrested? I mean, the the society is so much safer. I mean, this guy, wow, the cops came and they grabbed him and they cuffed him up and they threw him in the back of the car. You know what he did? He was in an empty park with his wife and his six-year-old daughter having a catch, and there was nobody around. He went to jail. I hope there was no coronavirus in that jail. Do you think his six-year-old daughter is ever going to be the same, seeing her father thrown to the ground, handcuffed, and dragged off? What country is this? Check your GPS, folks. This doesn't sound like America. It sounds more like China. No wonder Nancy Pelosi wants to support China and build their economy over our economy. Maybe they promised it to make a queen for a day or something. God only knows. We're living in an era of insanity. I enforce the laws. I had no problem enforcing the laws. I felt they were just. I did my job as fairly as I could. I made a real effort to never, ever handcuff anybody in front of their kids unless there was no alternative, which was very rare. Even if we had to ask one person to take the child out of the room or we took the person out of the room, we always did it in a way to not traumatize the child. The child has enough to deal with if the father or the mother is taken away in handcuffs. Why would you do that? And why would you arrest a man whose crime against humanity was to play catch with his daughter, six years old, there's nobody in the park, who's going to catch the virus? Blades of grass? A hummingbird? I mean, let's get serious. The punishment must fit the crime. The death penalty doesn't seem to be an appropriate punishment for playing catch, damn it. I sound angry. I'm livid. I'm livid that more Americans aren't speaking up. I had my issues with Ronald Reagan. He gave us the first amnesty. It was a train wreck. He gave us the visa waiver program. He gave us the visa lottery. It was signed into law by George Herbert Walker Bush. It always shocks conservatives because they hate that law, and I think it's an outrageous law. But it was started by Reagan and signed into law by Bush. But boy, oh boy, did Reagan get it right, 100% right, when he said that freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. We really stand on the precipice of the loss of our freedoms. The things that are happening, you know, if this was in a novel that Tom Clancy wrote a year ago, and I read this, I never would have believed that this could happen in American cities, but they're happening from coast to coast and border to border. Governor Cuomo comes out there trying to look so paternal. The Andy, the Andy and uh, Chris show, the two sociopaths, the big mouths. The one that Cuomo didn't know that there were ventilators in, in a store in, in storage in New Jersey. Instead of running or ruining New York, he's running his mouth constantly. I thought Chuck Schumer was bad. This guy put a camera in front of him, and he, he goes on forever. He's like the every ready rabbit. 
except what comes out of his mouth is garbage. This is the guy who wanted 40,000 respirators, not knowing that there was a warehouse filled with respirators owned by New York in New Jersey. And by the way, why do they put them in New Jersey? God only knows about that stunt. You would think he'd want to have it in his own state, but he's too busy bloviating. And then this is the guy who tells you every life is so important. And they prevented people from visiting loved ones in nursing homes because God knows you might bring the coronavirus into the nursing home. Well, that's reasonable. They did that in Florida. But when people were sick in the nursing homes, he signed an executive order that said you must bring that person back to a nursing home. And those nursing homes had no supplies, a shortage of staff, no protective gear, no nothing. So dead bodies were piling up in trucks outside the nursing homes. I believe the number was over 5,000. It was a mass murder. And I understand that one of the things that was part of his order or that was signed into law with, with the budget was that if people died in a nursing home, they could not face wrongful death suits. Maybe he was concerned that he would wind up with a wrongful death suit. As far as I'm concerned, he should be prosecuted for those deaths. If you're concerned about people coming into a nursing home with the coronavirus, why the hell would you not want to take people who have the coronavirus and move them to one of those empty hospitals that President Trump gave us because he showed real leadership and rose to the occasion? Explain these things, folks. We need to make these people accountable. They need to answer these questions. We can't just ignore them and hope it'll go away. It'll only get worse. Because once they taste power, they want more power. Power corrupts absolute power, corrupts absolutely. We need to make them accountable. Absolutely we do. And we need to have conversations with our neighbors. How in the world do you let this guy get away with 5,000 deaths? How do you get away with putting criminals back on the street, ostensibly because of the coronavirus, or because you're shielding, quote, unquote, the immigrants? like members of MS-13. Somebody needs to explain this. Someone needs to confront these bums and say to them, why the hell would you do that? And by the way, they did not want the people who died in the nursing homes to be tested for the coronavirus. Of course not, because then we would all know that they died of a virus, killed them, and shouldn't have killed them if they had isolated the people who were sick and moved them out quickly to these hospitals that were waiting for them. Those hospitals were largely empty. There was the ship, the Navy ship. There was the Javits Center, which, while it was in operation, became the biggest hospital in the entire country. And we had other smaller hospitals set up in in parks around New York City. Most of them were empty. So rather than bring people with the coronavirus back to the nursing homes where you had the most vulnerable population, the elderly already suffering from a bunch of serious underlying diseases, They made damn sure that they were exposed to the virus. Maybe he decided it's cheaper. In fact, the woman who lost her husband to Alzheimer's disease wasn't allowed to visit him until the day before he died, finally. I was on the phone with her. She was really upset. And she is convinced that her husband died because of Cuomo's decisions, his executive orders. And I didn't want to upset the woman, but she's right. But everyone's talking about him as being a substitute for the ever uninformed, clueless, and, 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 and space cadet Joe Biden. By the way, every once in a while, you know, you forget what you were going to say, and a thought escapes your mind, and you say, well, I'm having a senior moment. 
uh, from now on, I call that a Biden moment. You can't remember what you're going to say? It's a Biden moment. This guy never knows what he wants to say, and when he does say it, it's ridiculous. We have a clear choice this year. They really are giving us a clear choice for this election. Any politician who is willing to trample the rights of the people in their jurisdiction must be voted out of office. Anybody who did not safeguard the most vulnerable members of our society must be voted out of office. They are dangerous. They're dangerous to public health, and they're dangerous to our freedoms. It's understandable that you want people to adhere to certain standards because this is an emergency and the potential for a massive loss of life is very real. But there's ways of dealing with your people and putting people into jails that have the virus is not the way you deal with people. And if they were real leaders, but they don't know what that means, people would be happy to conform to what they need to conform to. I work very closely with the Israeli National Police, and um, I remember one of the generals told me that in Israel, it's viewed as a lack of leadership if a general, for example, or a colonel hides behind their rank. He was a general, and he said to me, you know, Mike, the men that work for me back in Israel know I'm a general. They don't have to use the title general. We, 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 we refer to each other by our first names. And he said, believe me, if I issue an order... They're rational, reasonable orders, and my people follow those orders. The men and women under my command follow my orders. He was a police general. He said, because they know that I'm doing what's right. You see, if those yo-yo leaders, so-called, in politics were really respected, they wouldn't have to threaten people. But threatening people is part and parcel of the communist way of doing business. Take away the freedom and threaten people with the biggest stick you can find. Is that the way you want to live the rest of your life? They have these tracers running around to see who you were in contact with. When this virus goes away, and eventually it will, God willing, when it goes away, they're not going to undo this bureaucracy, this fiefdom that they've created. So what's next? We'll make sure that you're not driving on Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend because too many people are driving, so we've got to save lives. First, the argument is, We'll have you stay in your houses until we flatten the curve. And there were signs flashing all over New York City on the highways. I saw it. Let's flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Right, okay. Well, we flattened the curve. We're well past that now. But we still are under orders to stay in, indoors. What in the world is happening? They keep moving the goalposts. Fauci said to us, once we flatten the curve, we can start to go about our lives. Well, we flatten the curve. Well, now the new standard is we don't want anyone to die. So as long as anyone is sick, really? So the flu, um, name some diseases. So as long as there's anyone out there in the street with a disease, you'll have to stay locked up in your house. It's my understanding there were some cities that actually, when you tested positive, were given an ankle bracelet the way they did with, with criminals who were let out of jail while they were putting parents in jail for playing catch with their six-year-old children. You have to nip this in the bud. The politicians need to understand that we've had it with them. There's an election coming. Pay attention, folks. Many of us don't vote. This is the year when everybody has to vote. Everybody. The numbers need to go through the roof. 
because the more people who vote, even if we don't get our wish in the voting booth, those numbers will not be ignored by the politicians and they will realize they went over the line and we, the people, are absolutely paying attention. I want to give you an idea, by the way, about why we have a problem with, with China. Uh, by the way, um, I, went, I went much longer than I planned to on this issue. It's just that my head is exploding. I know I've mentioned it before, but I want you to remember that Diane Feinstein was the one who said that we should do away with the visa waiver program and perhaps not give visas to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism, and we certainly shouldn't be training those aliens in the, in the sciences. This should apply to China at this point. The Chinese kids who come here to study, most of them are decent people. They are. They don't want to be spies, but they're coerced into being spies. They're told, when you come to America, you'll do what we tell you to do, or we will take it out on your family. Now, you might think that's a harsh statement, and how do you prove that? How do you prove that? Because that's, that's a pretty outrageous statement to say that. But let me tell you something that had happened. Um, there was an article that I, that I think is really important. Let me just get to that article. Just take me a moment. Bear with me. I'm sorry. There is an article in, in a publication that is published in Asia, and I will find it for you in a moment. Hmm. Okay, well, bear with me. I thought I had it. The point of the article was that the Chinese government is infuriated by members of the United States Congress, people like Senator Tom Cotton. And what the Chinese leaders have said is that we have got, they have got to make it clear to our leaders, our political leaders, that if they call for unfair treatment of China, that they will dig into the backgrounds of these people and see if perhaps they're doing business with China or have families in China, and then they need to be made to feel pain. I, I want you to think about that. So in other words, China is going to use coercion against American political leaders when those leaders have called for Americans and, and, and so forth to sue China. You do this, and we're going to get even with you. We're going to find out if you have family members here. Really? And if you do, we're going to make you feel pain. Does that not sound exactly like what we're seeing so frequently from our politicians? We told you that you must wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, we're going to make you feel pain. How in the world do you allow this to happen? And by the way, uh, since last week when I wrote that article, we now have a naturalized American citizen who was working in a hospital who was just arrested and charged with doing work for China under the Thousand Talents program. And that's the whole point. Even though the guy's a United States citizen, his family is probably still in China. Perhaps they threatened the family. That's the trick. You go to see if the person is, is actually um, subject to any kind of pressure, and if the person has a pressure point, you apply the pressure. So the, the question is very simple. Why in the world would we allow students to come to America who can be blackmailed that easily by the government of China that is determined to steal all of our technology, all of our research, and ultimately dominate the world. Doesn't that make a very clear case for the notion that we must not allow this to happen? 
I mean, you would think that this is pretty straightforward, wouldn't you? They've made it clear in writing, according to a, a newspaper published in, in Asia, that they are going to look into these politicians who have called for suing the Chinese government and making them responsible, and they're saying, okay, you do that, we're going to find out if there's pressure, I guess, that they can exert against these people, uh, members of our government. It is very blatant. It's very outrageous. And it's the mindset that we're dealing with when we're talking about the Chinese regime. They are unscrupulous. They will stop at nothing. And again, we come back to the issue of how it threatens all of us, and we need to be aware of this. This is not a game. This is absolutely not a game. This is the way they do business. And again, it's the tactic that we are increasingly seeing for American politicians. We're going to lean on you. We're going to find a way of making certain that you do what you are told to do or else. And if you don't do what you're told to do, we're going to make your life miserable. In fact, I now have the article in front of me. It was published May 14th. That's yesterday. Here's the headline. This is the South China Morning. China considers retaliation for U.S. coronavirus lawsuits, the Global Times says. Let me read this to you. Tabloid report says that Beijing is considering countermeasures against states and politicians seeking damages over the pandemic. Academic calls for action that will cause real pain rather than symbolic strike back. And let me read this, because this, this blew my mind when I saw this. Beijing is considering taking retaliatory action against specific American states and politicians seeking damages from China over the coronavirus pandemic, according to the Chinese state media. Anonymous sources quoted by hawkish tabloid Global Times on Thursday said that punitive measures could be taken against individuals such as Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who filed a lawsuit in April against the Chinese government and Chinese Communist Party for the enormous death, suffering, and economic losses they inflicted on the world. And that phrase in quotes, I guess, used by the Attorney General. The report also singled out Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, and Texas Congressman Dan Crenshaw, all Republicans, for introducing legislation that would allow Americans to sue the Chinese government for damages caused by the disease. Quote, listen to this. This isn't chilling. We must resolutely crack down on those politicians who, for no reason, they say, right, no reason, undermine China-U.S. ties for their own political benefits. Wan Zheng, a research fellow at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, was quoted as saying, quote, for those who promote anti-China legislation, we need to find out what the business ties are between those officials or their families with China. We can't just strike back symbolically but impose countermeasures that could make them feel the pain. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian who suggested on Twitter in March that the U.S. military had brought the coronavirus to Wuhan, slammed the U.S. on Thursday for shifting responsibility to China, but stopped short of saying if Beijing would retaliate. And then here's the quote, some people in the U.S. failed to fight the epidemic themselves and failed the trust of the American people, but they've not made reflections of how to improve their work. Instead, they have slandered other people and launched lawsuits against China, he said, we urge the U.S. to stop slandering and discredit China, stop promoting relevant bills, and playing this nonsense blame game on whether China has any disciplinary measures. I have no further comments. 
That was the quote. Wow. Wow. Most favored trade partner. When I was growing up, my parents gave me some great um, lessons, great guidance. And my mother always used to say to me that one-sided relationships are not relationships. Does this sound like a two-sided relationship to you, ladies and gentlemen? I don't think so. I don't think so. They openly admit that they spy on us. They openly admit that they hack our computers, and then they threaten us. Our corporations, hell-bent on cheap labor and cheap manufacturing, and by the way, also environmental issues. For those of you who worry about the environment, you know, Apple gives you these immaculate packages. It looks like you're opening up a jewelry box. Very impressive. Most of that crap is made in China by slave labor. Okay? Air pollution and water pollution in China is off the charts. So American companies that talk about being green very often will build whatever they sell or manufacture whatever they sell in countries that have absolutely no concept of environmental concern. But here they'll talk about we have to be green. We have to reduce our carbon footprint. And what happens overseas stays overseas, I guess. American people have to exert some influence. Those politicians are our employees. They've got too many people convinced that we work for the government. The government is supposed to work for us. The government is not working for us when parents get arrested for playing with their children in a park and being sent to jails where the prisoners were let out because of coronavirus fears. Well, you take a parent and put that parent into a jail cell that could ultimately cause that parent's death. Uh, Please don't tell me that this is government of the people, by the people, or for the people. But once again, I have to quote my parents when my dad said to me, he said, Mike, you will teach people how they should treat you by demonstrating what you're really willing to accept. We have to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, about what we are and what we are not willing to accept. That's the responsibility every one of us has. Please have conversations with your neighbors. Check out my article at front page and forward the link to as many folks as you can. And check out Team DML, where I do uh, twice-a-week podcasts uh, for that website as well. Have a great evening, everybody. Stay well. And please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Take care.